Hello and welcome to the Midnight Film Review. My name is Brian Stevens, and with me is... Hi, it's Aaron Wetley, formerly of Netflix and Grill. I will give you my new plugs at the end. Um, I can't wait to hear about this, because uh, we didn't never, we never talked about this, and you uh, hit it on Facebook already. Um, is there going to be a new Instagram? Are you changing your Instagram name? Uh, yeah. Um, right now, the Instagram name is, for the food stuff I do, is the uh, Columbus Parents... A dining guide so you know when you're uh, somebody like brian and i with kids and you need to uh sneak out for a quick dinner or you got the babysitter for two hours like places that are great to go like that but um what i'm really switching to and i, I will post later and we'll all let everybody know is netflix and grill is transitioning into suburban dad pop so that's where i'm gonna write about movies music um all that kind of stuff and that's gonna get a totally new insta and I will post the link to this um, podcast on that next week. What was the impetus behind changing? Um, more <laughs> more clicks, I suppose. A bigger community. Uh, I think there's some people who like my uh, entertainment stuff, and some people like my music. Oh. Or excuse me, my, my food stuff. And uh, they told me about it. And uh, you know, I'm I'm 46 now, and I'm not going to be reviewing the coolest newest hot spots in town anymore it's uh like i said that we got two hours let's uh let's get the babysitter uh over here and yeah. go get a quick dinner so that kind of deal yeah i totally feel you i mean having a a kid changes things i mean any any listener to the podcast knows i mean literally for years this was a weekly thing that i did every week and uh whether it was with colin or um guest hosts or, or mm-hmm. what have you and then my son comes along and it just makes it one it's it's not as hard to find podcasting time because we can do it remotely now but it's right. harder for me to see the movies like it's just harder yeah. for me and i you know writing is almost non-existent in my existent in my free time and i, I kind of sure. talked to you about that like maybe wanting to get into that a little bit more um but it's just family's more important than anything and yeah uh, so when you have a, a a young child it's like i just want to spend every amount ounce of time i have with them yep. so um totally Absolutely. totally understand what you're saying um i'm excited for your, for this this new stuff um i think i think you're uh onto something for sure we were just kind of so. we were just kind of chatting before the the podcast and i mentioned i would love to go to Indianapolis, and I was, but I was about to say, and I don't know if you know this. Yeah, teaser. Um, there are no. Okay, this this is this is a true, but also false <laughs> statement. Uh, okay. There there are no true IMAX theaters in Ohio. Um, there are true IMAX theaters in Ohio, um, but they're mostly at like the science. So there's one at the Science Center in Cleveland, um, and there's yeah. one at the um, Cincinnati. And there's one at COSI, and there's mm-hmm. one at the um, Cincinnati Museum of Science, and but they don't show regular films. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I know what movie you're gonna say, but uh, yeah, go for right. it. Right, yeah. So I want to see Oppenheimer in true 70 right. millimeter, and the only Oof. the closest place I can find is Indy, uh, Indianapolis, yeah. uh, and which I mean, not a shot at Indianapolis. It's a great town, very similar to Columbus in the way it's laid very out. Very similar, and, and, um, but it's just weird to me. Because Columbus has an awesome art scene, so does Cincinnati, uh-huh. and Cleveland's had a million films shot there, 
sure. Nobody sure. has a true IMAX theater. It just blows me away. And in fact, yeah. my research showed they're actually becoming less popular because IMAX has switched almost all their true IMAX theaters to digital. So it's becoming yeah, sure. less less of a thing. So anyways, I, I really want So wanna... here in Columbus, we will get – sorry to interrupt you there. But here in Columbus, we will get a uh... – or in, in the big cities in Ohio, it's going to be digital IMAX Oppenheimer. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yeah. And okay. The, the, so, and for those that don't know, the real difference is just obviously the picture quality is is just as good. I mean, uh, right. you can't really tell the difference. And in some cases, digital is better because there can be flaws on film. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you shared with me a picture of the film reel. <laughs> it's um, 11 miles, 600 pounds of film, which is obviously a big task and that's part of the problem with having right. true 70 millimeter film is it's just it's bulky it's hard yeah. to maintain the temperatures have to be correct it, it's flammable so like there's just a lot yeah. of issues with 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 film um but the real reason that it the big difference is it, it actually the screen is actually bigger and okay. um digital the way that they shoot digital in the way that it's transferred. If they stretch out the film to to the full maximum um, on digital, mm-hmm. it kind of looks grainy. Um, right. So okay. you can uh, you can honestly tell a huge difference um, in the picture. And most of the time in digital, um, the film is not all IMAX, true IMAX. Um, okay. So, and a lot of that is for budget and conversion. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of sure minutia behind it but anyways so i really want to see it in imax but it's take, for- take the family go to uh the indianapolis has a wonderful children's museum they have a zoo as well make a weekend out of it that is a possibility that is a possibility we've talked about um yeah so uh yeah it's it's on the board it's it's not that far it's four hours from us you know about right. so it's not like it's too far it just is like shocking to me when i'm like really looking into yeah. it and it's like no no one in Ohio has the ability to show a 70 millimeter film. And that's just really sad to me. That's just... not even the gateway, huh? No, nope. Not but the gateway. Your movie premiered back in the yeah, day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Over almost 15 years ago. Um, wow. So and one thing that, that that's crazy too, is there's only 20, I, think, I want to say 21 uh, theaters that still show um, true IMAX uh-huh. in, in the U S 11 of those. I think it's eleven, are in California, which obviously makes sure. sense. But yeah, that leaves, so leaves you ten for the other forty nine states. Exactly right. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So, um, and you'd be surprised. Like, there's like, there's Dallas has two of those. So the only those two in jerks. The only two in Texas are in Dallas. Um, yeah. One in Indy. So you know, is not they're few and far between. But anyways, that's a, a I, I we we started to talk about. It. I was like, oh, this might be good for the podcast. Let me sure. know right into the show midnightfilmreview at gmail dot com, and let me know. Uh, oh, sorry, that's our old email. Do not email that; it's dead. It got hacked and <laughs> stolen, and I do oh, not have no. access to that anymore. Uh, email call to pop. That's call with a K. Call to pop at gmail dot com, and let, let me know if you're going to see the film in uh, True IMAX. Uh, and, Absolutely. and how it looked and where you're going and what theater you're seated in. Um, well, this is going to be a fun ep- episode. Lots of TV talk here. Um, mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to discuss, uh, the Emmys, uh, here in open discussion. We're also going to talk about, um, the writer's strike. And I, we have a unique opportunity to talk to someone who is actually, 
um, mm. been on the picket lines. So um, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. And we both have a couple of media hot takes. And then we're going to review yeah. Barry, the, the final season of Barry. I know it's been over for a couple weeks, but we definitely wanted to talk about this before we um, talk, discuss anything else. It, I think we both um, really, really appreciated th- this show and, and the things that it did. So that's going to yes. be our review for the week. Let's let's before we go. The Emmys, oh, I, I, go ahead. Can I just jump in real quick here? Yeah. And give a plug real quick. So, oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's taken us a while to do this. Uh, we've been. Um, kicking the ball back and forth. It's been on my end mostly. Uh, Noah Wyatt, my good buddy, if you are listening, we are glad you're out of the hospital and better, and um, we hope you listen to this podcast. Yeah, that's awesome. Hopefully he's feeling much better. And um, Yes. I'd like to get an update from you on that after. Um, Absolutely. Um, let's – so let's – before we talk about the Emmys, um, mm-hmm. briefly, I just want – let's talk a little bit about – um, what it's like to strike, and I don't want. First of all, sure. um, Aaron can tell you a little bit about his experience, and I'm not by any means comparing these two entities and their strike and what they're going for. Um, uh, because I, for those who don't know, Aaron is a teacher, and I feel like, um, mm-hmm. it, it's. I don't want to. To me, that'd be a slap in the face to you to comparing the two, but I do think that there are some similarities. Um between the situations that are happening the writers are kind of the redheaded stepchild in the industry sure um because NBA point guards interchangeable yes exactly right they're they're not paid a lot they're mm-hmm. not the least paid but they're definitely not paid as well as producers or actors right. or directors um unless you're also directing what you're writing but a lot of the writers that really matter in terms of the strike, the ones that it affects the most are ones that work on TV shows or small mm-hmm. scripted stuff or things that like, um, you know, uh, the Jimmy Fallon show or, you know, all the late night shows. Sure. These are writers who don't make a ton of money. They're not you know, right. millionaires by any stretch of the imagination. So that's why this strike is really, really important for them. But I just wanted to hear from your perspective, what it's like to be in this situation. Well, uh, there's a lot of pressure you have, you spend uh, leading up to our, our teachers strike last year at Columbus City Schools. Uh, it only lasted three work days. Um, so we didn't have the, the prolonged deal that at the writer strike is going through. But, you know, I spent a lot of sleepless nights um, in those three days and previous to those three days. Um, debating on whether to vote yes or not, because I'm all about the solidarity and um I just didn't want my kids, my students at home. But that's totally, you know, that's kind of a different thing than the Hollywood strike. And in a, in a way, I think the teachers, we had it a little bit easier because um, I think we are valued more in our communities yeah. than writers are. Uh, so we knew the public, like, they had our back so well here in Columbus. And if you're listening to this and you, you supported us on the picket lines out there, we still appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, but we knew we kind of had the upper hand. In the sense that you can't have 60,000 Columbus City kids running around the school or running around the city every day until this was over. Uh, I don't think the writers have that luxury because, um, like you said, they're undervalued and underpaid. And um, they are not valued as well in their community. They are seen kind of as interchangeable, I think, by studio heads and people who don't care about anything but the bottom line and money. And um, it's, it's just more... 
we, we, we had the upper hand and I was glad to do it. But, um, you know, I, I hope those writers can get the deal they want because they uh, provide so much entertainment to people, especially the last few years during yeah. COVID when people binged like never before and are still doing it. So uh, it's a different deal. But, I, you know, I, I stand in solidarity with those people. Yeah, you make a good point. Obviously, um, teachers unions are typically a, a stronger union, not just because yes. of they do typically stick together in the solidarity. You don't see a lot of um, infighting typically in that in that right. union. But you also are probably, I mean, one of the most important professions around, and not mm-hmm. just just because of what you're doing, but like you kind of mentioned, like. Uh, school is a safe place for a lot of kids, even though right. we don't necessarily think of it in, in today's age because of a lot of things that have happened. But it really is getting out of home and um, getting a meal, yep. or you know, just getting away from their home life. Abuse it, of families, yeah. Um, so it, it's a, uh, it's more than just a place to learn for a lot of these kids. And so it's like you said, it was important to get things solved. Whereas you know, again, we're not trying to compare the two because it's impossible to compare what you right. do and what a writer does. But you know. These writers are people too. They're trying to make sure. money, and um, they have kids to feed. They have mortgages, and yep, yeah, exactly. And the thing that I thought was interesting is uh, insiders today. This literally just came out earlier today, and I um, didn't have a chance to share it with you, and I didn't read the whole thing, so I don't want to refer to it too much. But Deadline released an article uh, by Dominic Patton where he talked to some members of of SAG as well as the writers guild, because SAG is on the verge of a strike as well. Right. And a lot of people are hoping that SAG strikes because Mm -hmm. it would, um, kind of force the hand of Hollywood to, um, appease both of these groups instead of if SAG ends up not striking and getting a deal, uh, then it's going to put a little bit less pressure on the studios. Mm -hmm. And they have basically said they're just waiting for the writers to run out of money. No, geez. And they are expecting it to last till October, wow. which would be the longest. I think it'd be the longest strike in Hollywood history. Um, mm-hmm. We're already seventy-one days in at this point. Yeah. Um, most shows, um, like I mentioned, most uh, late-night shows have shut down. Anything that's scripted, and this goes—I mean, reality shows are scripted too. Yeah. So a lot but of the game, some game shows are shut down. Some some game shows are shut down. Yeah, I mean the writers. That, that's like I was saying before. Like all these shows need writers. That's what people don't realize. Right. You know, it, there, very yeah. few shows are truly writerless, and um, right. You know, even the reality shows have have writers and things that that you know sure. for bits and stuff like that. So, um, this is kind of one of the disadvantages of the streaming era is because they can yeah, still right. rest on their 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 past product and people mm-hmm. are still going to stream and they still have product coming out they can slow roll sure. it um when you've had over the last year the glut of production that we've seen you know uh, 200 plus shows every single year being being uh, brought right. um not everybody's watching all these shows so uh, mm-hmm. it's easy to um, find something new. I mean, yeah. it's just the way it is. There's tons of shows that I want to watch that I haven't got an opportunity to watch. We're going to talk about some of them here in a minute. Yes. Emmys. So yeah, anyways, absolutely. my whole point is it doesn't look good and this is bad for the industry um, as a whole. And it's bad because, you know, again, this isn't actors and directors and producers who make lots of money. This is the, right. the low end of the totem pole of people in, Really, what they just kind of want, it, it, from what I, it seems, and th- the biggest sticking is they want more 
uh, more ability to have uh, royalties within their sure um, within their their uh, creative content. Um, right. So, you know, it's Passed on those royalties to children and, and just like anything yeah. else, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'd encourage people to look, to dig into it a little bit more because a lot of times you just see, oh, the writers on strike, my favorite show shut down. Why don't right. they just go back to work, you know, kind of thing. Sure, and sure. Um, it's it's tough for writers, you know, yeah. I would be much less sympathetic, sympathetic for actors, even though actors it's the same thing we only think of the stars we don't think of the people who yeah are re- really struggling but um anything else you want to say about the the strike no no i i just well yeah one thing i guess i would like to say actually is i wonder if um this looming the strike when it was looming and you know people knew it was going to happen i wonder if some shows like succession saw the writing mm. on the wall and they're like let's just you know this is a good place for us to potentially wrap up and who knows what's going to happen with this strike and let's just let's just do it. I, I bet there were some shows where that happened. Maybe Barry was another one of them. I think you made a very good point there. I think there was because they they, they say October, but I mean, who knows, right? Sure. I mean, you know, yeah. it's hard to it's hard to know, right? So that's a that's a very good point. Um yeah, uh and I think th- there has been a couple movies like that where they were hurried up and got them in production um, because right. they knew that this was coming. So, yeah, um, good point. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's move on to talk some Emmys. Have you were you able sure. to look at the Emmy nomination list at all? Um, yeah, yeah, I wrote some like we did last year with would and should on some of the big categories, and I uh, yeah, I got it in front of me. I'm ready for this, man. All right, we're gonna just cover the big ones. I would say, yeah, um, right. Let's start with outstanding drama. Uh, and again, I can I I mean I should probably look this up, but one thing that is just baffling to me is just what gets nominated versus like. <laughs> Yeah. Like, uh, for instance, we'll talk about it in a minute, but one of the shows I watched last summer was The Old Man with Jeff Bridges. And I'm like, I saw that it got a nomination this year. And I'm like, didn't that come out? Like, that came out a long time ago. Right. It's just weird. But then something. I don't know what the exact parameters by date are. I I think it's, it's, uh, they have special rules, but yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. It's, there's, there's special rules. It's not as easy as it is with, um, you know, with the Oscars where it's, if a movie comes out from January, to December, it's, it's eligible yeah. for the Oscar. Right. You know? Right. Uh, sorry. Let's start with outstanding drama. Sure. The nominees are Andor, Better Call Saul, The Crown, House of the Dragon, uh, The Last of Us, Secession, The White Lotus, and Yellow Jackets. Yes. Okay. So what I have, I'm going to do the should and will thing. Mm-hmm. For, in my opinion here, um, should win better call Saul. Uh, I, th- I think uh, I'm going to refer to all the actors and actresses, whatever we're going to review with this, but better call Saul a little bit of a chip on my shoulder because mm-hmm. they've never won any hardware. And maybe that is clouding my judgment a little bit. I really think they should win because uh, Vince Gilligan, speaking of writers, is just the best, just the best. Um, he connects so many dots. He puts so many things together. There's nobody better in the business. All that being said, I think uh, this is going to be successions year in a lot of categories, and I think they will take home the the, the trophies. I agree with everything you said drama. there. Yep, I agree. Yeah. I agree 100. percent Everything you said there. Um, I think it's going. We're going to look back on this in a little way, a little bit the way that we look at the wire and how it never won any awards. Mm. 
and we'll say Better Call nice. Saul never won any awards. What? Right. Like, yeah. how is that possible? But yeah. I mean, you know, I, I Succession was what it was a, a great show, and a lot of people have it as yeah. you know a top five show of all time. And right. um, yeah, I think you're right, though. I mean, it sucks, but I think you're 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 right. Um, I think you know, and under the Better Call Saul umbrella of the like their their time period. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I'm correct when I say this. You know, like their first season was Mad Men's last season. Yeah, they've been competing against some heavy hitters their their entirety of their run. So it's just it's just very unfortunate timing for them. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, next up is outstanding comedy. We have Abbott Elementary, Barry the Bear, Jury Duty, The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Only Murders in the Building, Ted Lasso, and Wednesday. What uh, what a group of uh, power hitters right there. Yeah. Um, Abbott Elementary, I really is close and near and dear to my heart being in education again, especially in a public school district like we just talked about. Um, uh, we, you know, we showed a lot of love to Barry. And um, well, we're going to do that right now in this episode. Um, Barry is so great. We've done that in the past talking about Barry. Uh, but I, I think uh, maybe it's recency bias, but I, I think the bear should and would win because it was just so darn good. Yeah. That first season of the bear was magical television making. Uh, I mean, I haven't finished this season and I've been slow rolling it. I'm kind of bummed that they released it all at once, but, uh, me too. Right. Like I, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's not a show that benefits from being binged. And so I've been taking my time with it, um, and try not to be spoiled. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish it was every week as well. Yeah, I'm trying not to get spoiled. But we breezed through the second season. But I'm going to backtrack here. So this is to go along with we started with this conversation. This nomination is for the first season of The Bear? I believe so. I mean, I, I think oh. so. Well, and, and give it to Barry then. I don't – see, I don't know though because I I don't know. It doesn't say. That's What I'm looking right. at doesn't say, which is kind of annoying. Me either, yeah. Um, I, I have the New York Times in front of me. I have. It doesn't say either. I have Entertainment Weekly, so <laughs> I mean, I just was guessing. Between the two, they should know, right? I, I like I said, I'm just guessing. I mean, we can look this up. Um, yeah. Okay, here we go. I found it. Ready? Um, yes. TV film must be released between June 1st of 2022 and May 31st of 2023. So there you go. Okay. So this so is. Yep. It's Bear Season One. Yep, Bear Season One, and um, Barry's final season. Yes, Barry's final season. Oh, let's let's give it all to Barry then. All to Barry. I'm going to cross that out. That's Barry is so good. I can't wait to talk about it later in the episode. Yeah, um, can't wait. Uh, yeah. Outstanding lead actor in a drama series: uh, Jeff Bridges for Old Man, Brian Cox, Kieran Culkin for Secession, Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul, Pedro Pascal for The Last of Us, and Jeremy Strong for Secession. I'm sorry, which is this uh, actor in a comedy or drama? Uh, lead actor in a drama series, sorry. Okay, th- that's fine. Drama, again, um, I'm, I'm going to have that Better Call Saul bias. Um, I think he should win. And mm-hmm. then I think Kieran Culkin should be second. I agree. But the winner is going to be Jeremy Strong. I agree with that as well, yeah. I think you – I'm with you um, on all that. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they gave it to Brian Cox either. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I think you're right. I think it probably, it, I, it, like there might be some, I think we might be underrating maybe the, 
um, insider love for Odenkirk, and I hope that's the case mm-hmm. because right. I mean, if he doesn't, I mean, it just what a robbery! Um, Absolutely. All right, and and with the succession, I think Kieran took everybody in the cast to acting school this year. To quote an old Sopranos joke, he took 100%. them all to acting school. Could not agree more. Just yeah. what and that and I think I said this in our review. One of my favorite performances of all time. Yes, just one of my one of my all time favorite performances. Um, it just and the really the only character that had an arc. Um, but right. Um, all right, outstanding lead actress in a drama series. Now. I haven't seen a lot of these, um, so I don't know if you have Sharon Horgan for Bad Sisters, uh, Melanie Linsky for Yellow Jackets, which I'm actually going to talk about in our media hot takes, uh, awesome. Elizabeth Moss for Handmaid's Tale. I haven't watched anything past season one on that show, uh, Bella Ramsey for The Last of Us, Carrie Russell for The Diplomat, another show I haven't seen but I heard is awesome, and then Sarah Snook for Secession. So I'm in the same boat with you. I what I know of all those series, except for Succession, is, is pretty limited, um, and I, I, I so I can't really say who should win. But again, I think it's just uh, we're gonna wake up. If you don't watch the Emmys, you're gonna get a push notification on midnight on your phone <laughs> or the next morning. And it's gonna be Succession yeah. sweeps awards. Yeah. So I think it's Sarah Snooks to probably lose for better or worse. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from of the so we both watched Last of Us, um, and mm-hmm. I watched. Uh, did you watch Yellow Jackets? I can't remember if you season one. Season one. Um, yeah. Melanie Linsky gives an amazing performance, but I just think Sarah Snook is just on another level. With um, she is, she is so good. She really, really is. Really is. Um, all right, outstanding lead actor in a comedy series: Bill Hader for Barry, Jason uh, Siegel for Shrinking, Martin Short for Only Murders in the Building, Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso, and Jeremy Allen White for The Bear. Okay, so based on what we were just talking about, I'm uh, going to take Jeremy Allen White out of contention because I thought he should and would, but that's based on season two, and I hope we can do a pod about season two mm-hmm. soon. Um, let's just give it to Bill Hader then. Yeah. And for me, when I say Bill Hader as an actor, I, I think he's a really fantastic actor. And I'm not, again, being completely objective. I want to see him win because, uh, again, we'll talk about it later. But as a writer, an actor, and a producer, um, and director, there's just nobody who can wear as many hats outside of him as well as he does right now. I think he will win this. I, I do. Mm-hmm. I think this is his to lose. I uh, just don't think that. I mean, the only one it would, and it's just off popularity is maybe Sudeikis. But I haven't yeah. watched Ted Lasso enough, uh, and I don't. So I don't know. Um, all right, or outstanding lead actress in a comedy series: uh, Christina Applegate in Dead to Me, Rachel Brosnahan for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Quinta Brunson for Abbott Elementary, Natasha Leone for Poker Face, and Jenna Ortega for Wednesday. Okay, I, I think Quinta should win. And again, uh, my object, my subjectivity might be coming through with being a, uh, an educator. But again, she wears a lot of hats just in that show, like Bill Hader does in Barry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's very good. She, she does awkward really, really well. Uh, but um, I don't know. I think it would be nice, given Christina Applegate's unfortunate medical diagnosis, mm-hmm. that maybe uh, the Emmy Academy will, will see at this as a moment to uh, recognize her career. And it was a really great performance in that season. Yeah, yeah. I thought she did. I mean, dealing with everything she had to deal with, and right. I mean, I thought her performance was fantastic in that. In that she season. and the other lead, um, whose name I can't place right now, Linda Cardellini. Thank you. Um, gosh, those two have great chemistry. Yeah, they do. Really. Just, just so good. They seem like lifelong friends mm-hmm. when you watch that show. Absolutely, so, yeah. go, go, Team Applegate. I guess. 
Um, I haven't seen. I, I actually the Mar- the marvelous Mrs. Maisel's on my list of things to watch uh, soon because mm-hmm. I just have heard so many good things ab- about the, that show. Um, I've never seen Wednesday. It's not really. I don't. Yeah. Don't have a desire to. Poker Face. I'm like three episodes in, um, and it's fantastic. And Natasha Leone okay. is fantastic in it, but I don't think that it's necessarily up there with from what I've heard about uh, Quinta Brunson or mm-hmm. Rachel Brosnahan or Applegate. So, um. yeah. All right. Let's go for outstanding supporting actor in a drama series. F Murray Abraham in the white Lotus, Nicholas Braun in secession, Michael. Imp- uh, I can't never say Imperioli. 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 Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the white Lotus, Theo James for the white Lotus, Matthew McFadden for, Secession, Alan Rock for Secession, <laughs> Will Sharp for the White Lotus, and Alexander Sarsgaard for Secession. Right. What? What? You go first. How, what? What are your thoughts? Um. So, man, I think probably my choice would probably be Matthew McFadden. Um. Yeah. I I think he should win, and I think he probably will win. But mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if they gave it to somebody like Sarsgaard, just um, out of name recognition. You know what I mean? Man. Sure. And, which is unfortunate. But, uh, Skarsgård is good. He's great. But he only has one gear. I agree. He's, 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 uh, it's, it just, he plays the same guy in everything. But Yeah, right. Uh, I agree, Matthew, yeah. Matthew, Matthew McFadden did so great. I, and I think, you know, moving forward, well, let me back up two seconds here. You said Skarsgård has the name recognition. I think McFadden is going to have the name recognition in a few years. I think he's going to really benefit a lot from succession. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think Nicholas Braun was fantastic as well, too. Like, I mean, sure. Just, um, but yeah, I think you're right. Um, and, you know, I, I also think that it, I, this is a show that's so popular that I could be wrong. Because if, if there was a little bit less popularity to these shows, because it's literally two shows that are nominated, right? Right. Um, so, like, I think that enough people may have watched it that McFadden might. Be, yeah, because you know, he's that character is well known, um, mm-hmm. and that performance was just, I mean, so good, it's so good. All right, outstanding supporting actress in a drama series: Jennifer Coolidge for The White Lotus, Elizabeth Debicki for The Crown, uh, Megan Fay for The White Lotus, Sabrina Impatrio. How do you can you say Impatriatore? Impatriatore. Apparently, I have trouble saying Italian names. The, the two Lotus. C's are always hard to get. Yeah, yeah. Aubrey Plaza for The White Lotus, Araya Seahorn for Better Call Saul, Jay Smith Cameron for Succession, and Simona Tabasco for The White Lotus. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with um, the should and would. I think I think Better Call Saul gets ripped off again. I think Seahorn <laughs> yeah, should win. Agreed. She's so good. The episode where she, uh, the black and white episode where they flash forward to the gene timeline yep. and she um you see the 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 purgatory she's in yep emotionally physically and she has the breakdown on the bus um to me that's pantheon uh if she doesn't win i think uh jerry should win from succession jay smith cameron i think her character is really great and she's talented but i got a feeling i think jennifer coolidge yeah. won some hardware earlier and yeah. i think i think it's hers to lose right now i agree i definitely agree you're right about that one yeah um I don't think it's really a question, to be honest with you. I think yeah. that it, she's going to win, even though I think Rhea Seahorn is one of the best performances of the year, period, too. Again, yep. just not, not, knocks it out of the park. Uh, Absolutely. All right. 
Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy, comedy Series. Uh, we have Anthony, Anthony Kerrigan for Barry, Phil Dunster for Ted Lasso, Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso, James Marsden for Jury Duty, Eban Moss Bachrock for mm-hmm. The Bear, Tyler James Williams for Abbott Elementary, Henry Winkler for Barry. This is a tough category, man. It is a tough category. All very, very good. You go first. What do you think? Um, I So I think – I honestly think that Harry Winkler has a chance to win this. Yeah. Um, I, and deservedly so. Yeah, and right, and deservedly so too. I, I, I would wouldn't mind seeing Anthony Kerrigan win either. Um, I think he's probably <laughs> yeah. one of my favorite characters on television to watch. That character, um, and but I've Ted Lasso has such a strong presence in the in the zeitgeist. But yeah. also, I, I I didn't watch Jury Duty, but I've heard so many great things about that show. Same here, right? And, and how good James Marsden is in it. I I, I mean so. And then, you know, uh, Bacharach's performance in The Bear, I think, is – I never really heard oh, of him. But, like, I yeah. noticed his fa- – I, I, like, oh, I know that guy. He's one of those people. He, was, he had a small Marvel part, I believe. Uh, you probably around the universe. You're, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, we can obviously yeah. look it up. Um, but, like, he was one of those char- one of those character actors where it's like, oh, yeah, I've seen him around. But, like, I feel like right. he stole a lot of – of the scenes. I mean, as far as character, I mean, um, it's hard to imagine anybody else playing Richie. Like he is Richie. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, just wait till season two. He he improves upon that even. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I've heard, I've heard, but yeah, I think, I honestly think I could, I think should win and will win is probably Winkler. That would be my, my guess. That is tough to disagree with. Um, I think it should go to one of the two Barry guys, either him or Anthony Kerrigan. Uh, Winkler has so much respect and he's been doing it so long. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's art and people vote for art. Um, I, I think you're probably right. Henry Winkler will get it. The only thing I can add to what this category is, uh, I'm happy for James Marsden that he's getting some acclaim. I've always, I, I just think it's, it's one of those totally first world problems. Uh, and I haven't even seen jury duty, but I always think he's good. And that first world problem is he's just too damn handsome. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's no, just you're too right. handsome, and you can't. And he's on when he was in Thirty Rock, he was funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's had so many good roles over the years, but he's just uh, just too handsome. I agree, um, and th- that makes the smugness come off even even more. Right? Too. Like, yeah, it's like you can you believe that he could be that smug, but by all uh, yeah. purposes, he's like this really like lovable person. Um, right. <clears throat> all right. So this is gonna be a tar- hard one for me because I've literally only seen the bear, but. Uh, outstanding supporting actress in a comedy series: Alex Bornston for the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Io Edbiri for The Bear, Janelle James for Abbott Elementary, Cheryl Lee Ralph for Abbott Elementary, Juno Temple for Ted Lasso, Hannah Waddingham for Ted Lasso, and Jessica Williams for Shrinking. Okay, I'm not that far ahead of you on these. I mean, well, I guess I have seen all of Abbott and Ted Lasso and The Bear, so I am a little bit, and I've seen Shrinking as well. Um, Gosh, that is a tough one. Uh, I'm going to say sh- will win. I'm going to start it backwards. I think Juno Temple just has a lot of buzz mm-hmm. um, and, and the role she plays in Ted Lasso. And I think Hannah Waddingham does too. Uh, and they were both great. Um, and the Abbott Elementary ladies are fantastic too. Um, I think Cheryl Lee Ralph is, is very talented. But Janelle James is really funny. She plays a... Uh, a, a South Philly born and bred and proud, uh, just rough and tumble teacher. And she's really, really funny. Um, AO is so great in season mm-hmm. one. 
So I'm going to say should win AO and will win Juno. Okay. I yeah. will I will defer to you on that. I think that's going to do it for the Emmy nominations. Is there any sure. other category you want to sh- look at? I think that's Okay, so not a category nest. Well, there is a category and this is kind of this is kind of a joke but kind of serious as well. So the drama and a guest. Okay. Um spot um Offerman and Bartlett from uh, The Last of Us. They're both in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And either of them are, are certainly worthy. They had such a long, uh, that episode that they were just both in. So great. Fantastic. We talked about it with Chunk from uh, the Afternoon Yap. Give that a ch- listen to if you haven't already. Um, but it should be James Cromwell for yeah. his appearance in Succession. If anybody earned their hardware for Succession outside of Kieran Culkin, like sincerely, truly, truly earned it this year. I think it's James Cromwell. Yeah. And he just had one scene in one episode mm-hmm. and it was the funeral episode. And, and I, th- in my notes, I wrote, there should be uh, a James Cromwell Memorial Award <laughs> after he dies Yeah, for the best actor in one scene. And as a guest Bob, because um, yeah, I remember you saying this. Yes. James Cromwell just kicked everybody's butt in that scene. Everybody else was playing for a second, pretty much the, the entire rest of the episode, and it was a great episode. Truly, truly, yes, you're 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 correct in that assumption. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for open, sweet open discussion. Let's move on to media hot takes. Um, so I'll kick it off, then I'll kick to you, and then we yeah. kick it back to me, and then sounds I'll kick great. It to you. Let's do it. Um, I want to start off by talking about Yellow Jackets. So you watch season Please one, do. right? You watch season one, yeah. And, you yeah. know, go ahead and spoil away. I'm going to watch season two. My wife uh, won't watch it. Um, go ahead and spoil away. Let's do it. Um, I'll do. I'm going to avoid spoilers because I don't want to spoil it for anybody else who might be listening. Okay. Um, I will say though that um, this season was not as well reviewed um, by a lot of people, and I understand some of what they're saying. So I kind of did a flip flop. On this season, okay. okay? So the uh, season, the first season, um, I really, I really, for whatever reason, and I think it had a lot to do with the young actors. I didn't really care for the flashbacks. I didn't care for that story. I felt like mm-hmm. um, it wasn't as intriguing as okay the present day story was. Um, mm-hmm. a, a fabulous season overall. I mean, and th- there were moments uh, in the flashback part of 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 the of the show that worked but uh, oh, the mystery in 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 the, in the present to me was a little bit more interesting this this year it completely flip-flops for me okay. um so we get a little bit more into what happened to why they don't want to talk about what happened right uh-huh. um why they're being why they have basically made a pact with each other to just not talk about what happened on that mountain and so yeah. it becomes a little bit more gruesome and interesting and uh, volatile and um and heartbreaking as i would imagine the big kind of reveal is going to be about yes. how they survived and it, i mean just uh, there are multiple points of this year where i had to like take a deep breath and like on the verge of tears, like just rough stuff happens. Yeah. Um, did you ever think about not revisiting it? Th- there, honestly, there were some moments cause it gets pretty dark and I, I, yeah. I got there. There were a couple of scenes where I was like, man, this is, I, I, I can't, I can't deal with this like, um, mm-hmm. on an emotional level. And, um, but my biggest issue with this season 
is that the present day arc mm-hmm. is just kind of stupid. It's just kind of okay. it's kind of silly. And this is mm-hmm. one thing I will spoil about this is um, and spoilers for season one if you haven't seen it, but a lot of this season is focused on a cat and mouse game between the the girls. Uh, and Elijah Wood gets pulled into this as well. He's mm-hmm. a guest star, which he's he's actually pretty good. I don't I don't mind him, but yeah. um, cat and mouse game with them and the police because they're trying to cover up this murder that um, Melanie Linsky's character did in the right. first season, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, Shauna, played by M- Melanie Linsky, her character and her daughter's relationship are kind of central to this, which is fine, and I think she's fantastic, but. It just becomes almost so unbelievable at times, like mm-hmm. that. It just they they almost they wrote themselves into a corner. Um, okay, especially with the way that it ends, mm-hmm. just kind of baffling choices. And it's almost like to the point where it's like maybe next season should just be limited um, flash forwards. I don't know. Like, okay. And the other thing, and maybe I'm in the minority here. All the the present day actresses are really, really good and they fit their counterpart, the young uh-huh. version of them, really well, with the exception of Juliet Lewis. I've never been a huge Juliet Lewis fan. Right. But her character is one of the most important characters in yeah. this show. And I just felt like she was so bad this season that it was yeah. like it stuck out like a sore thumb. So when we watched it last year, my wife and I, I, I remember kind of feeling the same thing. Like, Juliette Lewis, I'm used to seeing her play loud, crazy characters. Mm-hmm. But it's almost, to use a sports analogy, it's almost like she lost her fastball a little bit. Mm-hmm. Totally. And then I'm like, it's like almost somebody doing a Juliette Lewis impression. Yeah, yeah. It felt it felt really, it just felt really awkward, too. Like, I don't, like, that character, and you see much more of the younger version of her this season, is so uh-huh. it is so different than I feel like the the way that she portrays the character, right. and uh, I just in I've heard in the writing that they they've encouraged them to not watch the show and not to watch their counterparts play the oh. part, and so that they make so they make the character their their own kind of right, mm-hmm. and sure. that is never more glaring than with these two, and <laughs> um, yeah, so. I not I don't regret watching it. I will watch a season three. Um, yeah, I think that there's enough there that it could be really, really interesting going forward. Um, mm-hmm. I just hope that it becomes a little bit more grounded than it was this season. Um, okay, but yeah, all right. What do you have for a media hot take? Okay, so for a media hot take, I have an HBO series that just wrapped up its second season that I think will be in um, maybe uh, Emmy talk sometime soon. It's called Somebody Somewhere. Are you familiar? I haven't watched it, but I know I know what it is. Yep. Okay, so for our listeners, Somebody Somewhere is about a, a character named Sam, played by Bridget Everett, who I am not really familiar with before this. Um, Sam is a woman in her 40s who's returning to Manhattan, Kansas, uh, to care for a terminally ill sister. And when the story starts, that terminally ill sister, terminally ill sister, excuse me, has passed away, and her family that now consists of uh, Sam, her sister Trisha, 
and her parents um, are trying to pick up the pieces in rural Manhattan, Kansas. And in the midst of all this, Sam befriends a character named Joel, um, played by a newcomer um, named Jeff Hiller, who is really, really great. And and Joel and his friends are, are part of the LGBTQIA community. And they befriend Bridget, or excuse me, they befriend Sam and kind of become her new family as she mourns the death of her sister and tries to put the pieces together of her uh, biological family. It's funny. It's warm. It's touching. It's, it's uh, it checks a lot of boxes. It's a dramedy. Um, season two is a little more serious than season one. Uh, if you like kind of quirky, funny dramedies, and you like uh, Bridget Everett, and um, you will when you watch this, uh, and because she adds a, a musical element too. She comes; she has a cabaret background, um, so there's a lot of music, especially when when she's they're all with their LGBTQIA friends. Uh, it's it's really touching, and it's it's you can breeze right through it. It's eight half hour episodes per season, and uh, if, if you're not a fan and you haven't heard of it, I really just uh, urge you to to binge through it, and, and you're going to love it afterwards. It's kind of an impossible show not to love. The create the creative minds behind this is kind of uh, a little bit all over the place, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah. It's got one of the Duplass brothers, uh, Robert Cohen, who you might know, um, um, has been a, a writer for a ton of comedy specials, a ton, okay. a ton of like, um, he wrote for Marin. He wrote, he was a sketch writer on the Ben Stiller show. Um, Oh, that's old school. Yeah. Just, he's been around for a long time, but he, he directs a bunch of episodes and I don't know if you know this, but Bridget Everett wrote two of the episodes herself. Oh, so. great. Good, good. She, uh, she's a real talent and you know, I just have the Wikipedia page pulled up right now and I, it's really it's it's I'm glad you found those nuggets right there because I, I didn't know who the showrunners were uh, or anything like that. Um, well, there is one little takeaway that I have um, given the rural setting and um, it's hard not to make comparisons to shit Creek mm. just because the situation, the, the, the areas are so, so very rural. Yeah. And that's not. And and the cut scenes, the bumper scenes, and the bumper music are just you know so rural. And and the the you can't tell sometimes you're going to watch. It takes you out. The bumpers almost take you out. Right. You know? like, yeah. Am I watching Shit Creek or am I watching somebody somewhere? Uh, and it is another side note uh, for for your wife Amanda, who you said is a Friends fan, mm-hmm. uh, bordering on fanatic. Is that correct? Yes, fanatic is correct. Um. So there is a gentleman, Mike Haggerty, who plays Sam's father. And he's he has a really reserved role, and but he's like just a salt of the earth, I uh, a Kansas farmer, and he has some funny moments. Um, he was the f- the superintendent uh, oh, in Friends. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. This was this was his last uh, before he passed away. This oh. was his last uh, television entry. So if you're a Friends fan and you want to see Mike, Mike Haggerty in one more role. And he gets a, a gets some meteor kind of lines. It's 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 really good. Mr. Traeger, he's the yeah the janitor or um, maintenance guy, right? Right. Yeah, that's a good. That's a deep pool. I like that. That's what this is meant for. You know, to give your thoughts on shows like this. Um, I'm gonna check. A half hour show is easy to, to, to consume. It seems like oh. something I would really enjoy. So I'm gonna check it out. I I think we did it in in three sittings. My wife mm-hmm. and I. We just breezed right through it. Um, I'm not. This is not a media hot 
hot take, but you just made me uh, think when you when you brought up that you made me think of uh, another show um, that I just started watching and I never heard of it and it just recently got canceled. But it was a Max original uh, show called The Other okay. Two. I don't know if you've seen this before. The no. Other Two. Um, uh-huh. Maybe I'll talk about it one because I've only seen like three episodes. Absolutely fantastically hilarious show. The premise okay. of it is these the older siblings of this Justin Bieber esque uh, celebrity. <laughs> um, yeah. they're, the, they're the other two. They uh, are f- trying to deal with their brothers. Um, he's their little brother, and he's you know they're trying to deal with his stardom, but also like you know care for him and look out for him because their their mom is like a total stage mom and uh just a very uh interesting show and i i've heard lots of good things out but again i haven't i haven't i've only seen like three episodes it's pretty funny though but um okay i'll check that out as well uh my next mean hot take though is something i've just railed against wholeheartedly (laughs) on tiktok go to my tiktok it's called a pop with a k um on tiktok and if you want to see me just go all out i'm not going to dig too much into this um but i will spoil it because i don't think anyone needs to waste their time on this show and that's the (laughs) idol Um, oh good let her rip so i i've not really watched a whole lot of euphoria i have seen um most of season one i think it's fine it's not my type of show necessarily but it's Uh it is what it is uh, I think Sam Levinson is a talented director and writer. I don't, uh, f- you know, I don't think he's necessarily bad. He definitely has a style right. and he's going for a certain, um, aesthetic and which it's fine. Uh-huh. You know, I don't, you know, whatever, but this show is on so many levels, just an abomination. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's really frustrating because, um, the the central thesis of the show i think is enticing right um Uh um, so the show kicks off with um uh, lily rose depp who plays a very britney spears taylor swift pop star-esque person uh her mother who was her handler has just passed away so she's kind of on her own we don't really Mm -hmm. they don't really mention her dad i don't know if he passed away but he's not in the picture so she's kind of left to basically be raised and cared for by her close friend played by Rachel Sennett, um, whose name is in the show is Leah. She is a fantastic actress. If you haven't seen Shiva baby, go watch that movie. It's amazing. Okay. She's awesome in it. Um, but Rachel Sennett is going to be a superstar. Um, but she basically is coming, uh, it's her comeback cause she's been depressed. She's had a lot of troubles, so she's going to have her comeback tour, release her new uh-huh. album and uh, on the day that she's set to release her first single or record the video uh, in the coming days, a uh, a leak of her getting a, a cum shot on her face has been oh, has been leaked. And so uh-huh. her team starts to try to reel her in and not let her spiral with this. Sure. That's that's an interesting, I think, point. But it is it's an interesting premise. Yeah, interesting premise. But it is immediately like just thrown out the window. Um, She goes to a club to kind of get her mind free, and she as you would in that situation. And she runs into (laughs) the weekend, his character Uh Tedros Tedros, who they quickly develop a relationship, and uh, you find out this show is just there is there is one speed, and it's it's fifth gear. There is no. 
nuance to the storytelling at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot has been said about the sex scenes in this. They're not right. steamy. They're not racy. They're not, they're just, they're awkward and they're, they're cringeworthy. They're nothing, you know, people are like, oh, they're, you know, they're doing some like BDSM stuff. And it's like, the way that this is executed is like an SNL sketch. This is not, <laughs> this is, there's nothing sexy about this at all. Right. There's nothing that's, uh, you know, making, any you know m- you know middle-aged boomer clutch their pearls if anything i can yeah. see my dad watching this and cracking up because it's so over the top and just yeah, yeah. It, it's it's silly um the the arc for the weekend is he is terrible by the way like he is one of the worst actors i've ever seen on television and right. I, i'm I, and i'm not just being me i'm not like i wanted to enjoy this show sure he is he is terrible. Like I feel bad yeah. for him that he put himself. I mean, he took a swing. Good for him. Like right. I appreciate the, the a lot of people. I heard him saying like he was going for a very um, purple rain prince vibe here, and I can see that. But it is, yeah, dude should just not. He should stick to singing. It's 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 yeah. bad. It's really right. really bad. Um, but the supporting actors are so good. Anytime that oh, Hank, that's a shame. Hank Azaria or uh, Jane Adams. Or um, uh, Divine Joy Randolph are uh-huh. on the are on the, the screen. It is magical, and I wish the show. Honestly, Azaria I wish there was a so show. Good. What's that? I said Azaria is so good. Oh, in this and he everything. is he is fantastic. In this, yeah. he plays her like main manager and her, her main mm-hmm. like handler producer, um, and he is so good at being both like for the the business but also like trying to protect her and yeah. it, it, it's just it the i wish that i really wish there was a show that was around them and we saw very little mm-hmm. of of her character because i mean honestly i think lily rose depp has talent but she, this is not she wasn't good in this um yeah. i feel like there was um moments that she did shine through but mm-hmm. it, it's very few and far between um there's a very Charles Manson esque idea behind this with Tedros's crew. He brings in this family that start they start living in Jocelyn's house, and things just like escalate. There's lots of drug use and abuse, and but then at the end of the show, and this is where I'm going to spoil it for everybody. She basically tries to regain control of herself. She gets her handlers to get Tedros removed from the house. She mm-hmm. leaks all this stuff about his personal past. He loses his club. Basically he, she signs away all of his talent to tour with her. He's basically in ruins. And the very last scene of the show, um, he's at will call and he's picking uh-huh. up tickets to go backstage to meet her. And they have this kiss and she, they basically try to turn her into the bad guy. Like mm-hmm. she was the the one that was manipulating him the whole time. It just makes no damn sense. Like, let's just be, <laughs> it doesn't like, there is nothing right. that is laid throughout this show to make that seem what's going to like that, that make it make sense. Yeah. And then on stage at her first concert, she introduces the world to her boyfriend, Tedros and her entire team is like WTF. What? And just, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. It's terrible. Do not watch it. I feel bad for anyone who's involved um, with this show. So the last pod we we discussed um, the HBO Max Discovery merger and how HBO and and, and the, their streaming service and the problems they're having with it. 
And this yeah. kind of all intertwines back to uh, talking about the writer's strike and then people, CEOs wanting money, just like any other CEO. So I think after Barry ended um, the prestige of the Sopranos 9 p.m. Uh, Sunday slot, went to the, the show you were just reviewing. The Idol, yeah. Uh, the Idol, excuse me, thank you. Um, and that's probably because, uh, maybe I'm going out on a, on a limb here, maybe it's a reach, but because of the big names, because of Lily, oh. Rep, or Depp, and, and, and The weekend, Yeah. And they're giving up some of that quality that you and I have loved on HBO for so many years to put out something like The Idol that has missed on so many levels on every review that I've read. Um, and, you know, and maybe they don't have the HBO Max or just turning to Max and that streaming starting, maybe I think that 9 p.m. Sunday prestige slot goes to Life or Death mm. or another show that is, is mm. prestige and art and um, just what we're used to on Sunday nights as HBO consumers. But instead, you know, I guess we're left with, with uh, the idol. And this show is like by all accounts a disaster because even fa- mm. like even like people who are you know fans of the weekend or like you know really rooting for the show they loved euphoria they're shooting they're shooting or they're sure. rooting for sam levinson are just like this is terrible like what yeah. is this it probably and i'm not this isn't hyperbole this is probably the <laughs> worst show hbo has ever attached themselves to wow and it didn't have to be that way like i'm telling you there sure. are there are there are roots in this show that for that ha- there are grains of of greatness within this show sure. um they just i, I mean I, I know there was some trouble behind the scenes this was supposed to be a six episode show and it looks like an entire episode got cut um okay. the original wow. director i can't remember her name amy, amy simetz i think is her name um okay. i don't know if that's right i'm pretty sure uh she was basically removed from the show mm-hmm. um, because of her and the weekend not getting along, and Sam Levinson stepped in and actually redid a bunch of stuff. I, it, but whatever the case, maybe she was like, "What the hell am I even trying to do here?" Because this is right. terrible. Um, just, just it was really bad, <laughs> really yeah. bad. Um, well, thanks for the warning. Yeah, yeah. What, what else? You, what else do you got? Okay, my other one. Uh, we're switching gears completely, and I don't think I've done a music review on this show, but. Um... My first one I'm going to do is is the new album Weather Veins by Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit. Uh, for those aren't f- f- are not familiar, Jason Isbell is a kind of an Americana alt country singer songwriter who got his start in the Drive By Truckers, um, child prodigy on guitar. Uh, he struggled to get sober and has been sober for about a decade now. And in that decade, his career has really taken off. Um, if, if you like storytellers, and I mean storytellers, people who are wordsmiths and can get to the, the heart of what matters, um, there, I don't think it's hyperbole to use that word. You just use that expression to say that um, in the singer-songwriter genre, genre specifically, Jason Isbell is, is the most gifted, or at least one of the most gifted, lyricists since Bob Dylan. Mm. Uh, every song on this new Weather Veins which is a self-produced album. Um, Dave Cobb helped him get sober. He's a producer and helped uh, him with his breakthrough uh, three or four previous albums. 
Um, he is not behind the boards this time. Jason Isabel is. And um, I think Jason Isabel's greatest gift as, as a, a lyricist and a storyteller is that you don't know as, as a listener if the story he's telling is autobiographical or not. Mm. Like you really kind of have to do some background research. I, and you feel like you're right there with him. Um, and then sometimes it's a little more obvious. Like for instance, Volunteer, the ninth track on the record, is uh, one of my favorite just lyrics. I'm not going to go over them individually or specifically, but it's just about a kid whose parents die um, when he's young and he gets bounced around from it's <laughs> in the foster system. And it's kind of a depressing topic, but he has a real the song has a really nice melody, and um, you 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 feel and you hear things that I've heard as an educator in the public school system mm-hmm. about um, foster care. Another um, track mm-hmm. that you don't know if it's autobiographical or not is this track opener number one, "Death Wish." It's um, it's about a man who uh, just trouble with 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 a wife having some mental and emotional health issues. And he's married to a fellow singer-songwriter named um, Amanda Shires. So I don't know if Death wishes about their relationship or not, but uh, just quickly going through the song list here. King of Oklahoma is about a construction worker in Oklahoma who was relieving his ladder on a 20-foot... relieving his bladder on a 20-foot ladder on a work site and um, has become an opioid addict. And he's ripping off job sites. And it's, it's Springsteen... It's 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 uh, John Prine. Um, there's a song, great song called "Cast Iron Skillet." This kind of a murder ballad. I, it's not as I didn't know it was as depressing as it was until I started doing all this out loud, oh, yeah. telling you about it. And to, to end it all on a really uh, great note, there's a song, this 11th track called "White Beretta," which uh, is about uh, teenagers getting an abortion. Oh, geez. and uh, okay. yeah, it's, so it's all some pretty heavy stuff, but. I'm telling you, if, if you like lyrics, if you like intricacy, um, like there's a line from White Bread where I, it's something like, um, I was almost a father, but at 19, I couldn't boil a pot of water. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just really, um, you just get lost in these songs as a storyteller. Um, on, on my latest Netflix and Grill entry, I wrote that um, as a fanboy, I, I really like this, um, uh, this album. It's gotten a lot of great reviews. Um, but I would like to see Isabel, who you can tell is well-read. You can't tell the stories he tells mm-hmm. without being well-read. I would like to see him take a stab at writing a novel or a novella or mm-hmm. a group of short stories. I think that would be really great for him to see and like, a challenge for him, as it would be for anybody. Uh, uh, the only thing I'll close out with, um, he wrote and recorded a lot of this. Uh, he's going to be in Scorsese's film later this year, Killers of the Flower Moon. He and fellow uh, country singer, well, this all-around weirdo ar- artist, avant-garde, cool guy, Sturgill Simpson, mm-hmm. are going to be together in Killers of the Flower Moon. So I'm looking forward to um, Isabel's big screen debut. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. I, um, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the Drive-By Truckers. I never really, yeah. honestly, listened to any of his solo stuff. It's kind, it's kind of right up my alley, especially where I've been here recently. I've been listening to a lot of... Um, I don't know if you've heard of Benjamin Todd and the 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 Lost Dog Band. Um, I have not. You should check him out. He's he okay. is a phenomenal uh, writer um, as well. His lyrics are really really good. Um, and mm-hmm. sounds like a very similar past as uh, Isabel. He he 
struggled with a substance abuse. A lot of his songs are about substance abuse, getting sober, loss of loved ones, um, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, uh, and uh, Tyler Tyler Childers, um, I've been listening oh, yeah, to a sure. lot lately. Um, He's great. So I've been. This has kind of been this kind of music, this style, this folk country style, is becoming yeah. more popular. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know. I would say more radio play available to this kind of music. Um, yeah. With some of the bigger names like Zach Bryan and Sturgill Simpson have, sure. you know, um, so that's good. I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely interested to listen to this album because it sounds like it would be something. I, would I think it'll be, it will be right up your alley. Every, every track is a movie in your head. That's, I love storytelling. I like yeah. that. I love Springsteen. I love like I love I love songs that tell stories. So this, yeah, I'm excited yeah. for this. This sounds like something I'll have to to listen to. Um, Absolutely, awesome, great um, recommendation. We love when I love when people bring music because a lot of times I don't listen to new music or unless it finds me some some way. You right. Know? Um, so I love I love um, um, I love what, what you're putting down there with it. Bring bring all the music you can because I, I need it. Absolutely. Um, cool. Drew used to bring music all the time, and the amount of new artists that she gave me was just amazing. Um, yeah. Super appreciative to her. Um, all right, let's move on to our feature review of all right, all right, all right. of Barry. Uh, I think similarly, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna just kind of go over the first three seasons and then uh, just hit the points of throughout the second season and kind of talk about the sure. evolution of characters. Um, let's start with season one and get your overall thoughts, but also, you know, um, you know, what did you expect from Barry? Um, and did it deliver in season one? Okay. Uh, I guess off the top of my head, what I expected from Barry and the premise was, um, kind of a knockoff of gross point blank. Mm, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and I pleasantly surprised as, as charming as that mo- movie was when I saw it 20 years ago. Um, Barry was, it was just the complete opposite. It was a lot more in depth than I thought it would be. And um, it, I think it really introduced the world to Barry Hader as a storyteller and or Bill Hader, excuse me, as a storyteller. And uh, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect. And I really appreciated in the, uh, enjoyed the relationship between him and Stephen Root who plays Fuchs. I thought that was great. I just enjoyed the whole thing. It was such a pleasant surprise. Like two episodes in, I knew I was a fan. Same, same. I I was that first episode. Uh, again, I was expecting something like just off the wall, hilarious. Right. And, um, it was funny. It's, it's a funny show. Um, but I was not expecting, that season tip one in the way it did because the uh sorry chapter eight um know your truth and mm-hmm. and, and and honestly uh seven was even even probably more like a gut punch but seven right. and eight were just i was not expecting that from the show <laughs> like i was yeah i was like i uh, blown away uh and everything that happened before that those two episodes i think like made more sense and what they were building towards. And sure. The, like, I, because I still th- think that until, you know, until, um, I can't remember the character's name that he has to kill. Um, Chris, Chris until Chris yeah. actually, until that actually happens, 
you're yeah. thinking of this. Uh, he, you're I, thinking Barry's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I never thought it was going to go to that dark of a place, right? Um, and it did. And right it did. Um, and then season two, um, uh, it, things escalate, right? I mean, I think yeah. that probably one of the best episodes of the entire show is in this season. Uh, it's episode five, Ronnie slash Lily. Um, <laughs> I laugh <laughs> even thinking about it. Yeah. Um, I think that probably, like I said, is one of the, my favorite episodes, probably one of the best. Um, that would have been a good episode to think about in our all time, uh, great episodes of television. Cause I forgot that one. And that is just fantastic. It is. And it, the, that's kind of the problem with Barry. I and mean, we'll get to it in a minute, but like, this is a show that definitely delivers on a rewatch. Um, yes. And I think that um, he did such a good job, particularly in season two, of producing these episodes like many movies. Yeah, really. Right. And but it, it's weird because when I like when I think about the show, I think of like the 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 arcs of the character rather yeah. than 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 single episodes like and it's kind of that way with the sure. the wire too like like oh you remind me of this oh like the episode where so and so dies it's like oh yeah that was yeah. a great episode but i think of like barry almost and that's why i kind of broke it up by seasons because to me season two is probably the best season mm-hmm. in my opinion um You're right but like it's not by much and but this each season had an arc that you know, we talk about session, and my biggest complaint with that was that show doesn't have a huge arc for yeah. any of the characters. This show has many arcs in many different ways for many different characters. They go through so much. Yes, and absolutely. We're talking about thirty-minute episodes, and mm-hmm. so much happens. And so it's really, I think, um, it, it's really a show that needs to be rewatched, like to yes. really get the full gist of it. And you kind of, what you're talking about, like he's Peter so talented, but what are your takeaways from season two? And, um, sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there. No, no, you're <laughs> fine. So season two is going to lead into something I want to talk about later with, with Barry and where with Bill Hader particularly. And, um, how talented he is as a director when he uses misdirection. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I can't think of any better example. Uh, then episode five of season two and the Ronnie Lily where you open up, <coughs> excuse me, that episode opens up and um, I think Ronnie, Ronnie's getting talked to off screen by Bill Hader and it's like mm-hmm. Bill Hader's or Barry and Barry's telling them, Hey, listen, I'll kill you if I have to. I don't want to kill you. Here's some money. Go to Chicago. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And he's just, this, you know, he sounds like this big, bad, tough guy. Barry does in the moment. <laughs> And then the reveal 30 seconds in is that he's wearing this ridiculous jogging suit with a ski mask. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And then they get into the rough and tumble uh, fight and you find out that Ronnie is like a uh, uh, taekwondo taekwondo expert expert to the max. And that episode is just so good and there's such good slapstick we can get in later too that I want to talk about specific examples. But in that episode uh, where Fuchs super glues his hands to the steering wheel... (laughs) So funny. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and that's Oh my god. That's the uh, and there's a lot of unexpected humor. Um Right. I I'll never forget watching the episode and it just like 
every next step in that episode, it's like it escalates like this. this more sh- and more bizarre. Like, yeah, like you, like you think he's oh, he's going to take him to the hospital. Nope. Nope. He's going to do it himself. And right. Barry's like WTF. Like what's yeah. going on? Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, um, just that sh- that episode of television. Again, that could be an entire movie. Like you yeah. can, and, and absolutely, it, and, but it's well done. Like it's not rushed. Everything yeah. happens with pace, and um, it's just yeah, great writing. I also think that absolutely. this season too. Um, so Hank kind of becomes who he. Um, he becomes more of a main character, I think, in this season. Sure, um, yeah. and. I don't know, like, I haven't looked into this. I don't know if it was because, you know, because sometimes with shows, like, he maybe he was meant to be killed off in season one or early on in season two, sure. but he was just so good that he right. became a bigger part of, of the show. And I don't know that that's true, yeah. but it feels that way because in, the, in season one, obviously, he yeah. was a character and he was fun, but it seems like in season two, he kind of went a little bit more uh, to the forefront front of sure. being involved in Barry's life. And again, I don't yeah. know that to be true. It just feels that way. Right. Maybe it was meant to be that way, but, um, yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. And I, I think, uh, season finale, again, I will talk about it later too, is, is uh, season two is, is kind of a horror show. It's, it's, yeah. a, no, it's absolutely a scary movie. And, um, when, when, um, Noho Hank has to save crystal ball, it's fantastic. Uh, but the overall, you asked me what I thought about season two. I think one of the overall arcs and tone that I think people miss uh, is that I think they want you to know, I think Bill Hader wants you to realize what a shitty guy Barry is. Yes. Like, I think they really have to drive it home in season two. And um, towards the end when I, I, gosh, I do need a rewatch. Um, There is a doctor who knows that Barry, Oh, it's, it's who Barry kills in season one. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That, a fledgling actors um, or who gets killed in season one. Anyway, his dad is a doctor and his dad's putting it together mm-hmm. and um, he, he finds, he gets buried in a compromised situation and, and he, the doctor gives this beautiful soliloquy about, and you know, almost made me cry talking about it or watching it the first time is how he remembered his son as a child and the little footsteps running across the floor and how heartwarming that those words were. And then you don't know if he's going to kill Barry. And then uh, Barry, like the next cut scene is Barry's and still in the back of this guy's car. And the doctor, they're in front of the emergency room and the doctor has killed himself. Mm -hmm. But he did it in front of the emergency room. So Barry would get the medical help that he needed. And I thought that was such a good dichotomy. And one of the lasting images the audience was left with show, hey, this doctor is a good person. This is what a good person is. Right. Yes, exactly. and Barry is a shitty person who may be on the autism spectrum or may have PTSD or for whatever reason you feel like you can excuse him. Uh, you can't because Barry is a killer and an awful dude. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think um, like – I don't know. Like I think that um, like in the season, fina- season finale of season two when he goes mm-hmm. to the monastery and he just – starts like John wicking, you know, everybody. Yeah. And, and that's, I think it's like easy to get caught up in that and be like, dude, this guy's a badass, right? Like right. he's killing all these people. But then like you see the aftermath of, and like what that does to everybody around him, yeah. the, the wave of chaos that he causes. And he never, and this is, um, I think really key to 
where we'll end up at the end. He never takes responsibility for anything that he does. Ever. Ever. At all. I think that says a lot about the human condition, one, but mm-hmm. but also about um, uh, the state of American art as well. Sure. Um, uh, and what it means to be an anti-hero. This show is very much, I think, a takedown of the anti-hero. Let me just say that. Um, yeah. uh, and we can get into that further in season four and in, in our thoughts about Barry, but I think season two mm-hmm. encapsulates so much of that. Moving on to season three, I think this is where about halfway, I'm trying to n- n- narrow it down to the exact episode, but mm-hmm. I feel like th- at some point in this se- this season, things flip a little bit and it's not as fun in terms of right comedy and it becomes more of a um more of a heartbreaking show because i think it's the show now doesn't let you the the show doesn't let you see barry in a good light i'm trying to yeah what maybe episode five um, well can i can i add on to the point you're trying yeah yeah go ahead yeah absolutely so I think it just starts out, and I'm looking at Wikipedia right here, that the premiere of season three, episode one, Forgiving Jeff. Like Bill Hader, he's, Barry's depressed, and you know he's doing all this contract killing on the side without mm-hmm. Fuchs. And um, he's got his client and the person he's going to kill, the two people at, at, the, at the, the big tree with a grave, and he goes to get to his <laughs> oh, car yeah, to get yeah. a gun or something, and he comes back. And the guy that is his client and the guy who is going to be killed, they're hugging. They've right. made amends. Right. And Barry's like, well, what's going on here? And he's like, I'm forgiven Jeff. Yeah. And then Barry said, there's no forgiving Jeff. And then shoots them both right in the head. Yeah. And kills yep. them both. And that is that the fun is over, kind of. The, this, right. This is yeah. Now, like you were saying, the fun is over. Barry is, he's, you know, this mental state, obviously, in season three as it opens up is, is awful. But they really, again, drive the point home that, hey, he's a dickhead. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and it's comically hilarious, too, by the way. And it is. That, 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 that's that, right. And that honestly is one of the funnier scenes because they're like, no, we don't want to do this. And he's just like, I, like no, like, like I, 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 and he's like, no forgiving Jeff. Right. Like, just like, oh, why did you, now I have to kill both of you kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, this season also we see I think uh, a lot more of of Hank and who he um, he he actually yeah. wants to be a good person like right and um uh, because he doesn't really know a way out of this life he keeps getting pulled back in and um there's some really interesting parallels I think uh, that we could dig into on multiple rewatches and really like if we probably did more of, of Hank's path versus Barry's path where mm-hmm. Hank keeps getting pulled into these, the, these situations um, even though he doesn't, he doesn't want to be out. He wants to be out of, right. Like uh, everything he does is trying to since basically since the monastery is he wants yeah. to just basically get out of the, the, the dark underbelly. The Right. Whereas Barry says he wants to, but he keeps pulling himself back in. Every time yeah. he gets out, he pulls himself back in. Whereas Hank is forced back in. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, I think, this dichotomy of like one person truly wants to live a, a, a spot free, clean life where the other one says they want to, but they can't, they can't control themselves enough to get right. out of it. Um, and they can't control themselves enough or their obsession with Sally. 
and where they're that where that has led them. Right. Right. Yep. Exactly. Um, season three, it ends with. Is there anything else you want to say about season three? Anything else? Uh, about um, I, I think I misspoke earlier. Um, I said the end of season two was the end of season three. The end of season three is when uh, Noho Hank uh, saves um, Crystal Ball, and that is just. Uh, a thirty-minute horror movie. It's, oh, okay, that's what, you're, that's what you're talking about. Okay, yes. I thought you well because at the end of season two is kind of a horror movie too because um, that's the I mean the monastery part of it. That's yeah, you know, that's right. literally it's an action movie slash. I mean, he literally becomes like I said, John Waker. Yeah, I mean, he literally just killing everybody. But yeah, the the end of I mean, man, that last episode. Um, it's you kind of give this like hope for for um, for Hank too. Like at the end, sure. of, it's like oh, he's found his. The love of his life. Now they're going right. to, you know, 50, be, 50 crystal ball. Yeah. They're going to be together. Yeah. And then that takes us to season four. So season four opens up with Barry in, in prison, right? Because in oh. the last season, you know, um, he gets, um, basically the, everything that he's ever done is brought to light. And, um, if Fuchs is his fellow inmate as well, <laughs> which is hilarious because, uh, Barry's like, man, I can't get away from this guy, kind of thing. Right. Um, and but uh, there's a there's some. I again, I feel like this would uh, it needs to be rewatched. But there's a, some very interesting, I think, um, commentary on father figures with Fuchs oh, and, sure. and, and and Barry. Um, obviously, and his own son in his right, yes. And um, man, they just this would it's just benefit into a, a, a deeper dive than we're able to do on a podcast, but I think it's, it's yeah. super, super interesting. But um, basically, all right, so Barry's in prison. Fuchs is in prison. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The Raven. The, the Raven. <laughs> the Raven is in prison. Um, Hank and Cristobal um, are seemingly um, – they developed this plan to what? What did they? I forget now. What are they selling? They sand. Want to, they want to import sand. Sand, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, things seem to be going well for Hank and Crystal Ball, and um, um, uh, oh my god, I can't remember what's the what's Barry's um wife's name my mind just went blank sally sally not not yet wife soon to be wife but whatever what she, yeah. so she is um she's lost her oh my god oh, she's lost her way right like she, she's had, she has a break with reality and she's yeah. uh an alcoholic and her mental health condition has deteriorated and uh she's just in a very very bad place and because of the shit Barry did, right, right, the toll, uh, and and you know, really, the men in her life in general has put have put uh, her through her relationship with her dad, who wouldn't yeah. be, uh, stuck up for her too. That's that's another point. Good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, and you know, her ex boyfriend who beat her, and oh, um, right. yeah, you know, honestly, um, just pretty much everyone in her life too, like her yeah, assistant, sure. or like she's really been taken advantage of, which I want to come back and get your thoughts on some of her character. Sure. But then, um, yeah. so then we get, um, uh, basically Fuchs is going to double cross Barry, but backs mm-hmm. out. Barry ends up double crossing Fuchs. He gets set yeah. up, which this is probably to me, one of the last moments of pure comedic gold is Fred <laughs> Armisen in this, in this, uh, in this episode, in episode four, where oh my god, it's just it's 
Classic hater Armisen SNL yeah. stuff here. Right, right. That guy's here to kill me. I thought he was with you. No, I thought he was with you. And then the fireworks. Just sweat pouring out of his face. Just so, so good. It was good. so funny. I think um, Crystal Ball was talking about um, uh, Armisen's character and then Armisen's character's partner, who you don't see because he's shot in the roof, which is very funny. Um, but they, he talked about those two as a pair of failed inventors yeah. earlier in this episode. And then the gun that they've evidently fashioned and made themselves blows Fred Armisen's hand off. Yeah. So funny. It's so, so just darkly funny. And so it, I, so unexpected. Like, I just did not expect right. that to happen. Um, right. So Barry is able to escape and mm-hmm. um, uh, gets out and is on the run. And then at the end, the, the show could literally have ended with this episode, by the way. And sure. You could sure have been like, have. like, whoa, there is no justice, right? Like, um, yeah. he meets with Sally and they get married. And then we, um, they remove, um, to, uh, the desert. Where are they at? Yeah. Do we know where they're at? I don't No, And I, I love that. We don't. Yeah. You know, I just, they're in a, a, a nameless desert sandscape somewhere. Yeah. Um, and they have a son and we were, mm-hmm. we're, we're now eight years um, yeah, into future, and so I don't know how you feel felt about this part of the the series. Um, it obviously is like a four part mini series that just kind right. of um, cha- the show changes obviously a little bit. Or changes a lot. Yeah, we're in the future, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and uh, man, I this the the introduction of the sun in this is like really it really made it difficult for me like yeah. ha- and i hate being that guy's like if you don't have kids you don't understand but it really like sure putting yourself in the position of like you know you and i are both have young kids and mm. i think you feel the same way as i do is like my life is basically now just to try to not screw up this kid Right. Yeah. Protect Mm -hmm. them in any way possible and make sure that they have the tools to function and Mm -hmm. be um, and be safe. Like that's all I care about right now. Yeah. And and in a way, Barry is trying to do that the best way he knows how. And, and he doesn't exactly know how to do that because he didn't have that himself. And Fuchs was his male role model. Exactly. Right. Or father figure, whatever. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And on the flip side of that, um, Sally is a terrible parent and oh yeah, has become an, uh, a drug addict, alcoholic, narcissist. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that part of it was really heartbreaking for me too. Like, I, and I, I honestly like this again. This part of the show just becomes super realistic in a way because yeah, when you're Again, I'm not making an excuse. Uh, this is a TV show, but again, for the character, like it's hard to make an excuse for someone who who treats their child in the way that she does. Um, but again, she's been put through the ringer so by much. Everyone in her life, like people, she's, yeah. she's trusted and loved. But it's like you know, and there's a moment in the last episode I think where she gives alcohol to him to put him to sleep, and it just was so yeah. gut wrenching because yeah. you know that's a thing that people do right like that's yeah. a thing that happens a that type of abuse happens and mm-hmm. it just um like it's know, awful it was it's, it's awful and and it, it you want so much more from her as a as a as a parent and a character um yeah 
And it really uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to add all that. Sarah Goldberg. Uh, really, she was outstanding through the whole series, but then the first episode after the time jump, um, she really earned her money there. She was yep. just so good as playing this damaged person that you're talking about. This person who's been betrayed by every man in her life, been taken advantage of. <clears throat> and I thought she was going to kill uh, the line cook in the bathroom. I thought that's for sure that was Same. going. And that's how Barry switches gears so easily between genres. Um, this was That was a psychological thriller episode almost. Mm-hmm. To her with her wig and and you don't know exactly where they are. It was almost like a David Byrne or a <laughs> Twin Peaks kind of a little bit. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I didn't yeah, yeah. So um I kind of cut you off there, but you're right about everything you're saying about her character. And and what I can add on to that is you said it's not she doesn't even she doesn't only get screwed over by the men in her life, but the women in her life. And she's not necessarily getting screwed over in this very funny instance. But when they do return to L.A. and she mm. sees the only student that ever really gave good acting advice to right. become like the new Marvel Superwoman or whatever. And she was like in the fourth blockbuster of that franchise she's starring in. And, you know, it should have been her. It, it, it should have been Sally. And that was mm-hmm. just really, really funny. That was a deft, slick touch. I totally agree. Yeah. So much happens in that episode. Um, honestly, like there's, there's just so much world building and so much. I mean. Most shows that have that kind of leap forward, you're like, "What? This is because yeah. they have no, they they couldn't figure out how to get the story where it needed to be." This was 100 percent planned from the beginning. It was yeah. so well done and so well built mm-hmm. out. Um, it's almost. I think I heard somebody say, uh, Bill Hader on a podcast, say that um, this was the prologue. Like, you know, when I said the the series yeah. could have ended. We're in with them, you know, basically like being together at the end. Right. That's where ninety percent of creators would have left the show. But sure. he was like, "I want to make a prologue that really gives an end to their story." Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, and he does such a good job with like a thirty-four minute episode of building this new world that they live in and setting the parameters. Thirty-four minutes, not it's a wasted insane. second. No, not a wasted second. Exactly. Um. Uh, and then, so again, um, we see Barry, you know, trying to be a good father and mm-hmm. his, his paranoia and his, his, um, ego and his, I guess it could be OCD, his, his, his ability, his, his yeah. desire to control the narrative of everything, um, yes. kicks back in because he hears that Gene is going to tell the story, um, to, or sell their story possibly, um, and so he's like, I got to kill him. And Sally's like, no, yeah. you don't have to do it. Like, they're not going to find us. We're, we're okay. This is like, she yeah. basically, and you feel like basically he, she doesn't want him to leave because she doesn't want to be left at home with the kid is right. Honestly, like more sure. than like one, she doesn't feel safe herself, but also she doesn't want to have to take care of the kid. Yeah. Um, so he, Basically, he's kind of like, okay, maybe you're right. And then um, uh, there's the scene where they hear something, or some, they hear gunshots or something. I can't there's remember. a knock at the door. Oh, right, yeah, there's a knock at the door. And then yeah. he, he literally goes and stands in the front desert, you know, right in front yeah. of the house for all night with a gun. Yeah. Um, and it was probably just the neighbor kid that he got in a fight with earlier. That's what I always thought it was. Yeah. It was, it, Exactly. Playing same. a prank. Playing a prank, yes. And so 
then basically this is basically spurred on to he's gonna go find he's gonna yeah. go try to in his mind this is gonna be the end of everything and then he can go back and live his life and raise his son and right whatever. yeah um yeah th- this yeah i mean a lot happens um absolutely in this episode there's a tank we, we we should probably touch on hank and and the situation so um <laughs> hank gets basically um is this the episode if i'm right is it hank gets this uh, this number six, Hank gets released right after, um, and the name of the episode is "The Wizard" because Hank gets released from prison. Right? Or, or I'm sorry, I, I, did you mean did that Hank or is that who we're talking? Yeah, about? Hank. I, I was talking about Hank. Uh, I'm oh, trying sorry, to... I, I was I was talking. Uh, uh, I was not talking about Hank. Go ahead. No, I was trying to think about where Hank is at in this, where we're at right here. I think Hank is kind of laying low. Um, He's with Cristobal though, right? And they're doing fine. Like, like Cristobal hasn't been killed yet, right? Uh, I think Cristobal gets killed maybe in season. I, I think in, in episode five. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And uh, yeah. And then the same flash forward. Yes, you're right. And yeah, so yeah. yeah. And so Cristobal, um, basically is trying to move past the death of. Uh, or Hank's trying to move past the death of Crystal Ball, and yeah. he's formed this new company, right? Um, host mm-hmm. Ball. Ho, 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 uh, what is it called? Um, I gotta find the name oh. of this company. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what I was gonna? Can I jump in here? What? I, no what, ball. What I was gonna. Yes, no ball. That's so funny. Um, so again, with the, the misdirection that Barry can do, or mm-hmm. Bill Hader, excuse me. And when when Crystal Ball is finally murdered, and you're like, oh no, is they gonna do it? Is Hank gonna do it? Or is men gonna do it? And the door is slammed as they say goodbye, and you don't hear anything. And then you, the camera cuts to, <coughs> excuse me, Hank crying on the couch for like thirty seconds. Yeah. And then the, the door opens again, and and the background is blurry, and a man walks up to Crystal Ball, wearing similar clothes. Yeah. Or it walks up to Hank, excuse me, wearing similar clothes as Crystal Ball, and you think, oh, Chris, the Crystal Ball changed his mind; he's not going to die. And then it's just one of Hank's henchmen who was killed crystal ball and it's just such good i just had that in my notes and i wanted to mention that that misdirection that um bill Hader was yep. so good at yeah and again that's another example of just hank not being able to leave this life like he just right. wants to sell his sand and be gone out of out of this yeah. this life with with his and he can't he gets pulled back in uh yep. and then like i think you were mentioning fuchs gets released from prison finally and yes. um he basically so funny so funny this it's so good because this character is like basically (laughs) he he's turned himself into a badass right like he's the raven he really is the raven now he is like he wished it true he is like the um the uh daniel day lewis he's basically he's he's acting really right like he right. He, he, he ends up telling you later on like i had to become this to survive like uh, i this isn't who i am i'm acting like yeah. uh you know and he's the greatest <laughs> actor on the show like is yeah, uh, you know right. what i mean um but which also I, I, a funny point is when um they tell <laughs> they tell henry winkler that daniel day lewis wants to play him and that is my life. And it, it changed like, oh. his mind. Yeah, it changes his mind. I'm listening. And then Mark Wahlberg playing Barry. 
That's funny. That is so funny. Right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. And just thinking of a movie that would involve uh, Daniel Day-Lewis and Mark Wahlberg uh, playing <laughs> yeah. opposite each other. <laughs> it's just so good. So good. But anyway, so can, we get – Can I add real quick yeah, to yeah. that? That release with Fuchs uh, getting out of prison. Um, even the guard does the, the raven handshake to him as he mm-hmm. kind of walks away. That was really good. And it's all to the backdrop of one of my favorite bands of all time, Black Sabbath. They do the wizard that the, the, mm-hmm. the Bill Hader chose to play the wizard right there. And that's kind of what, um, what Fuchs was because he kind of tricked everybody yep. into thinking he was the Raven. And then they go to the bank and he gets the teller woman to fall in love with him. And the mm-hmm. next cut is her in the back seat with him. <laughs> it's yeah. so good. Is there nothing Steven Root can't do? So good. Especially with ample direction and uh-huh. quality direction. So good. And so uh, Hank and and uh, the Raven Fuchs yeah. have basically a, a gentleman's agreement. They're going to try to work together, um, and but they ha- they're having dinner, and um, he uh, in this house that basically uh, Fuchs has provided uh, f- for, or sorry, that um, Noho Hank has provided for Fuchs, and Fuchs yeah. gets drunk and accidentally congratulates him for killing crystal ball and you know obviously that pisses hank off because that's not what happened and so then they have this another funny uh, uh, part of this season is them is the standoff at the house where he fuchs refused to leave the house and he shows up with a rocket launcher (laughs) and tries to shoot a (laughs) rocket at the house and just miffs that is a callback to uh hank screwed up the rocket launch in season one oh right yes all the chechens had to do that (laughs) That was, he still didn't learn. Yeah, he still didn't It's so learn. funny. Great callback. Like the, the slapstick that, that Bill Hader can do, that is slapstick comedy. You killed my driver. It's so funny and slapsticky. So good. So good. So then he, after finally, like basically a bunch of his men keep dying and he gives up yeah. and he decides, okay, I will help, um, I will help Barry or I will help Fuchs kill Barry. Um, and so they decide to team up. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and again, once again, and then we have Barry um, showing up in, in LA looking for Gene. He goes to the the Kmart Walmart store and buys like an arsenal of <laughs> guns. Guns, yeah. Walks up to the counter, guns, guns. <laughs> and then leaves like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando <laughs> with literally. Uh, multiple, you know, assault rifles and handguns, and uh, I love, I love how he walks out <laughs> in the scenario you're just talking about. And it's just, it's just such a take on America. And whether, wherever you stand on gun rights isn't the point. It's just you can do that in America. And he just went to the Walmart, bought all the guns, strapped them on, and walked right out the store. Yeah, nobody blinks. We got in his rental car. <laughs> nobody blinked at all. Yeah, nobody blinks. <laughs> um, and then while all this is going on, um, inadvertently, uh. Uh, um, I can't remember. Um, oh crap! I, I the oh, let me find. I can't remember. Uh, um, Gene is decided to go along with right the the um, the idea that they're going to make this um, this movie, and he's mm-hmm. planning on 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 helping, and it it sets off alarm bells with. Um, Oh my gosh, I can't think of the the actor's name. Um, Robert Wisdom, uh, Jim Moss, uh, who oh yeah, and so he 
now he 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 mistakenly thinks that Gene paid Barry to kill his daughter. Um, right, right. Um, and so the police, the FBI, everybody's like, "Oh, yeah, you're right. This is how how it happened." Um, mm-hmm. Jim, um, uh, he 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 kidnaps Barry. Right, he gets a hold of Barry and ends up torturing him. And yeah. um, it kind of inadvertently again, Barry confirms what he thinks, even though that's not necessarily what happened. How it went down. How right? it went down. He he, he thinks, um, and so. Jim, uh, Leo, and the district attorney that uh, that Jean was dealing with the Chechens to kill Janice to stop her investigation, um, right? Which was not the case. And so, really, um, if Barry can get away, he would again be in the clear because now yeah. they think that he was, you know, a, a pawn in Jean's game inadvertently, which right. is just kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, but but. Uh, Hank has caught Sally and um, what the hell is the kid's name? John. Um, yeah, John. And tells Barry, "Hey, um, you show up here, or they're gonna die." Right. And which I truly believe he had no intention of killing Sally or John. Yeah, he tells them good luck. Yeah, he said, like, "Good luck." I mean it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then that leads. But he to- wasn't. He was not. He wanted to get it over with, and he if if they Sally and John died, it was okay. But he didn't necessarily want them to. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. He he didn't he didn't plan on killing them, but if it happened, then it was yeah. like, kind of like one of those things. Um, right. And so, um, we go to the last episode, uh, the season finale or the series finale, and so mm-hmm. much happens here. So Sally yeah. finally breaks down and tells um, John basically that. Her, Such a good scene. Yeah, that his dad is a murderer, uh, yeah. and just uh, tells the truth. And how that scene's filmed with Sally has her back to him, mm-hmm. to John, for most of the shot because she's turned her back on him as a parent. I thought, and that was just I thought a really really great shot. Yeah, me too. That was a really great shot. Um, that was uh, that was a brutal shot too. Like, yeah. oh, man, um, Sarah Goldberg's great. She was. Probably the the high point of this season, honestly. Her acting yeah. was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, so Fuchs shows up, and basically he's like, there's kind of a standoff between him and Cristobal, and he's like, basically tells him, like, hey, I, uh, I will disappear from your life. You'll never see me again, but I want you to admit uh, to killing Cristobal. And mm-hmm. what do you think the purpose of this part? I, I was, was this just... You know- I think that was, unfortunately, I think that was maybe the flimsiest kind of writing of the whole series. I don't know, you know, Bill Hader and Alec Berg were hitting home runs for so long. I just think they were due for one kind of thin area. And I, I don't know if it had to do with pride between the two of them, between uh, Hanks and, or between uh, Fuchs and Noho, but, um, I don't know. I didn't exactly understand it either. I guess it was uh, hubris, just a standoff. I mean, I guess that you're right. That, that's really the only thing that I could really take from it. But it just was weird to me. It just didn't like. Yeah. There, I'm like, really, this is 
what the whole this whole situation is hinging on it just was right like like why i just didn't really understand like fuchs his motivation for being i just it was weird they could have they're such good writers they could have had like some sort of um just you know the greek chorus some kids steal some money from somebody mm-hmm. or something and they blame each other they could yep. have been something as simple as that that would have worked out a lot better but it didn't you know honestly what i thought was going to happen and kind of what yours in, in in the same vein is um you know they had an uneasy alliance anyways right. and i thought there was going to be some kind of accusation of like motivation yeah. there and then i just in because i thought this is the way a hater is i thought we were you're gonna see one of the men like sneeze and accidentally fire their weapon and then it just you know what i mean like the shot her around the world by accident right. kind of thing yeah. and um but I, that is one of the like you said the flimsiest i didn't really understand it and i was kind of like scratching my head mm. anyways uh sally and john get out fuchs um um basically gives a nod to uh uh, Barry, who has arrived after everything, he's late to the party. Yeah. Um, but uh, Barry still, um, you know, Sally is, is, you know, again, like, Barry, turn yourself in. Just do the right thing. You you, you shouldn't let Jean um, yeah. take the fall for this, right? You should. She just wants Barry out of her life yeah, as well. At this point, That's right. A big she, motivation. Right, yeah. Um, but also, I, I think that. Two, I think she's finally becoming a mother, right? I think for the first time. Um, maybe, you don't agree with that? I Maybe. Um, maybe she's trying to become a mom. Maybe she's trying to better herself. But I think she's just completely damaged and wants Barry out of her life and has no priorities straight. I don't think she even knows maybe why, she's, why, her, why her character is doing it in the moment. Okay. Maybe her motivations change. Yeah, I mean, you, could be, you could be right. Um, yeah. I could be totally off base. Um, and it seems that, um, you know, uh, uh, Barry, it, 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 I mean, he's not taking the advice, but he's he's going to basically, like, try to make things right and on his own terms with, with yeah. Gene. We see the callback mm-hmm. to the... Uh, to the to the pistol that was used in... Yeah. Uh, uh, who gave him the pistol? Um... um. Oh gosh, the guy from Larry Sanders' show, so funny. Um, I know, I can't remember. Oh, that was such a great. Uh, the pistol, the swearing. Uh, Artie from Larry Sanders' name is Red Riptorn. Riptorn, yeah, Riptorn. Yes, yeah, Riptorn. Yeah. <laughs> Who, by the way, if you know anything about Riptorn, he's known for firing off fake guns yep. that shoot out confetti and and stuff. So, um, right. there is no reason for this to actually be a real gun. That's kind of like the joke is like it's yeah. not a real gun. And right. he, he some inside baseball stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. um so um he, so Barry goes to Gene, Gene gets out this gun, and Tom convinces Barry to turn himself in and uh, mm-hmm. and it, uh, basically Gene is like had it and he shoots he shoots Barry in the chest yeah. and then Barry says the title of the episode <laughs> Wow and then just boom <laughs> right, right in the dead. Yeah did not see that coming. I didn't know how it was going to end, but I did not see that coming. Did not either. And then we see another leap forward and um, we find out that Gene has been sentenced to life in prison. Barry's been <laughs> laid to rest with full military honors. Right. And uh, Sally is the uh, head of a high school theater company. Um, yeah. And um, she has a pretty sweet moment with her son. 
Um, when he's asking to stay the night? Yeah. At a friend's house? See, I took that another way. Okay. I thought she'd be kind of come the new Jean. And oh. she was totally dis she was totally disinterested in her son's life. Oh no no. He's like, For, Can I can I stay at my friend's house? Yeah, I don't care. Okay, thanks, Mom, I love you. Hey, how was the performance? Good I, mom, you're always great. I, I agree with that. I guess I, I uh, when I say sweet, it was a, a it was a little bit different than their relationship before, where okay, she's sure. prying him. It seems like they have an actual relationship. Um, sure, um, yeah, a maybe, transactional, functional relationship. Exactly right. Um, and but again, she's looking for approval from the men in her life. This time, it just mm. happens to be her son. Um, right. And, uh, or, you know, just approval in general. She's still constantly looking for approval, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, I, just to add to that, looking for approval and then, like, so damaged by the things the men have done to her in her life. Like, the uh, fellow teacher who really seems to have his shit together mm-hmm. hits on her. She's like, nah, I'm not interested in that. Yeah. No. Unfortunately, he seemed like he had, a, you know, all his ducks in her. Right, and exactly. A good adult catch. And then we see John at his friend's house watching the basically the story of his of his father's yeah. life, right? And it paints him as a tragic hero who mm-hmm. um, died trying to help people. Um, and this has kind of been uh, I, what what do you think John thinks? I, this has been kind of left in the air. Um, I think we can talk about yeah. the show and all the things it says and and where we you know what where we came to where where it ended. But what was your interpretation of John John's thoughts he, of his father? I thought he bought into the movie wholeheartedly. I, I, he, he was crying, I think, as, as the camera cut away for the entire series. Um, I, I think he bought it. And like any kid who has a parent that dies when they're in their formative years, he wanted to remember his dad in the best light possible, remember his dad as a hero. And that movie gave him uh, – that movie that was complete BS. Mm-hmm. Gave him um, uh, some closure and some niceness that he needed, I guess. Some niceties. Yeah, I agree. And I think that um, – I think that um, this is obviously a, uh, a happyish ending for the character of Barry because he goes down in history yeah. as something that he wasn't. Uh, but something right. that he thought he was, right? Like, yeah, in right. his mind, he was this person that now he will be remembered as. Um, mm-hmm. And his son thinks that he is. Um, yeah. So I agree with everything you said there. Um, I, I, you know, I started off by saying, like, this is such a takedown on uh, a lot of things. Um, and Barry does such a good job. In, in It does it in one-off episodes. It does it as a series, mm-hmm. does it in seasons of really just being a commentary on pop culture, our, the way that, that art is told, and um, expectations. Um, yeah. And that's what I will remember Barry as being is basically just a satirical take on American pop culture in general Hollywood Hollywood yeah you know um the takedown of the anti-hero I really like how you put that yeah and um you know I think it's something that we at times um because we can't necessarily relate to uh Tony Soprano Walt White uh you know Saul Goodman um these characters we can't necessarily relate to them because we wouldn't make those same decisions so right uh we root for them because Ultimately, even though people died along the way and people got mm-hmm. hurt or damaged, 
their heart was in the right place. Um, right. And this basically says, nah, n- screw that. It's all bad. No matter what, hurting people is always wrong. And yeah. um, it, whether you have good intentions or not, um, that it, it doesn't matter, right? So right, right. I, I loved I loved this series. I, I think, again, I think in the future it will be remembered as like one of the best shows of all time. I'm not there mm-hmm. yet. But because I feel like it needs to be rewatched, I do. I feel like this yeah. needs to be. Uh, I need to really dig into each episode. Um, yeah, and you know, this ended after Succession, uh, or was it before Succession? Uh, I think it ended after Succession. I can't remember. Maybe if it, even the same night. No, they ended the same night. Same night. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Um, it, this show was completely overshadowed by Succession, um, especially yeah. this season. Um. But I think when we look at, at, back on this, I think there's a little bit of a, of a wireness to it is where it's going to be remembered a lot more fondly by uh, yes. future rewatches uh, yeah. than it has been. Um, right. I say something very similar. I'm going to – I'll reactivate my blog tomorrow for people that want to read my full takedown. But I, I said something very similar to what you're saying is that uh, hopefully in the coming years it won't be – it will be remembered. Uh, it will get – It'll get the recognition it deserves in its own relative lifetime, and um, because it's such a, a, a good show, it's just so good. And then hopefully, it'll be appreciated. I also wrote, hopefully, it'll be appreciated by people who aren't just TV heads and insiders and um, other people, maybe in the entertainment industry, because I think this could have a broad audience if it just just got a chance somehow. And I don't know what that chance would be. I totally agree, and I, I really do, and I do, I'm not just saying this because uh, like I, I'm fanboying about the show. I right. really, I really, really, really think this is a show that could change television, right? And, sure. And uh, the unfortunately, the the landscape of television has been kind of awkward because of streaming and because just yeah. some of the the rights deals of, of people. But like, I this show, um. I think really showed what you can do with TV. Like it really yes. expanded uh, expectations of television, right? With with the what you can do with TV, it's it's potential, and especially when you have like a moderate budget and a team at HBO who who trust what you're doing. Yeah. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah. Those things might all be going away. Um. Right, yeah, and it right, and I hope that people look to this and, and because, uh, and I again, I I, uh, I compare it to some of my favorite, like I compare it to, you know, um, some of the great TV shows of past, not necessarily in the way that the show functions, but just in the way that it changed. Like I talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer all the time, and <laughs> sure. it's, but it's true that that show really changed the way that television was, it changed, you know, the term big bad comes from yeah. that show. There are literal classes in you at USC film school that are yeah. literally about, there are textbooks that have been written about Buffy yeah. the Empire Slayer because of the way the show is structured, the characters, the arcs, it yeah. revolutionized television writing. So many people came from that show to write for other mm-hmm. television shows. Loss would never right. happen if it wasn't for Buffy. Same thing with The Wire. Um, you know, yeah. the, the David Simon. David Simon and mm-hmm. what he was able to accomplish with a, a television show, and that is taught in 
in classes in uh, colleges around the U.S. about yeah. the drug war, about police brutality. I mean, like this is a show that changed the way that yep. we learn about uh, things. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that Barry can be that type of show um, because of the way that it used um, absolutely um, seasons as arcs and the, the characters. Yeah. I, I just, I really truly, I believe that. Like I'm putting that, I'm putting motorcycle Barry chases, ambiguity. Oh my gosh! Yes, horror. Yes, yeah. Comedy. I mean, this literally yeah. every genre: action, comedy, drama, like everything. Psychological is, thriller. Yes, literally everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it literally. I really truly believe that it pushed the boundaries of television, and I, I you know, yeah. I, I think that this is a show that, again, in the future, it will be studied. People will talk about this, yes. and um, I think it's it's a landmark television show for sure. A hundred, hundred percent agreed. Yeah. Any other thoughts? No, I just thank you, Bill Hader, for uh, for this show. And uh, Alec Berg is is another writer and producer mm-hmm. and director of it. Um, I think um, I think Bill Hader is going to be in on the short list for a lot of production companies whenever the writers strike. When all this is in the past, uh, he is going to get some chances at movies. I think, and um, maybe you know what? Maybe that will be the access people need. Yeah. To get to the show, they'll say like, "Oh, Bill Hader wrote and directed that movie. I'm going to go finally watch Barry because he did that as well. He's not just uh, that funny uh, club going character from Saturday Night <laughs> right. Live." Right? Yeah, yeah. I I absolutely would love to see him do do more TV, do a movie. Mm-hmm. I and you know, it it's not it's not that often where we see someone um, get an opportunity at HBO. So to see him get right. that opportunity and and run with it and do what he did. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, HBO, maybe going forward, it's not going to be this, but you know, um, it's been a kingmaker for a lot of people. Absolutely. Um, so hopefully it does it for him. Yeah. Um, all right. Give us, I think that's it for our review of Barry. Um, it was yeah. a lot of fun. We've been, man, I've been dying to talk to you about this. Um, so good. And just Same here. it. Um, a lot of fun. Give us your plugs. Tell us, uh, okay. where we can find you. And, um, all that stuff. My blog for the television entertainment stuff is suburbandadpop.blog, um, where I will continue to uh, do this uh, podcast when I get the chance. And um, you can see all the stuff I've written about for the 614 Media Group when it comes to movies and television and music, as well as uh, my own blog stuff. So please check that out. And uh, parents, Columbus Parents Dining Guide on Instagram if you ever need food recommendations for uh, Central Ohio. And I, I think I'm going to um, take you up on this, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm going to put some pressure on you. Um, we're going to me and my wife. Uh, you know, we get about a month or a, a weekend a month to ourselves. My my parents will yeah. will take our son on a Friday or Saturday, and we'll have a date night. So what I'm going to start doing is some like you know those old couples that. Try to go to every <laughs> diner's drive-ins and dive. Yeah, right, uh, so right. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that to you with with the restaurants awesome. that you recommend. Yeah, terrific, man. I'm looking forward to that. Because one, then I don't have to plan anything. It's already planned for me. <laughs> but two, I trust your opinion. So yeah, there you go. Let's do it. That's awesome. I'm happy to help you out with that. You're my guy. Fieri. All right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, and maybe hey, maybe we can. Uh, I didn't think about this. Maybe we can. Um, uh, playing a double date. Um, oh, that'd be perfect. 
Um, we'll talk about that more on off, off the air. They don't want to hear about our bromance yeah. on here. So, yeah. um, <laughs> that's great. Um, I'll put that in to the show notes as always. Um, um, look forward to, to, to reading more of your writing. Um, yeah. uh, inspire me maybe to do the same. And, uh, you mentioned hopefully, uh, once I get through the bear, uh, maybe in a couple weeks we can do an episode on the bear. That'd be fantastic. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Midnight Film Review. We will catch you on the flip side.